uh, because not many other dental practices would have bothered asking John those questions. They would just tell John, uh, well, you could be looking at anything from $220 on to $370. And then John goes, oh, that much? Okay, I'm just ringing around. Uh, thanks for that. Bye. And that's usually the scenario of the phone call. No missed opportunity, no opportunity to find out anything more. Build up a level of urgency as well. Welcome to another episode of the Content Maximizer podcast, a show dedicated to giving you the latest digital marketing tips, ideas, and interviews to help you attract, engage, convert, and retain more customers from the internet. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cho. Hey, Jane, I am so excited to have this conversation with you today. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. It's always a pleasure to um, to talk to you. I love what you do. And um, yeah, Thank you. let's have well, some fun. We have some, <laughs> we have some common clients and, you know, we see each other's results. So um, it just totally makes sense, you know, for me to invite someone who I've seen their results, know what they do works to, you know, have this conversation. So, um, yeah, no. Um, so I think before we get into, you know, the, the nitty gritty of it, which is like, how do you convert more inquiries into consults for dental practices? Um, maybe you can just share a bit more about, you know, um, the dental phone excellence and core tracking um, excellence. Tell us about, about your two businesses. Oh, and and I have to be really careful that there's never that confusion because initially when I first, um, I suppose, ventured into the world of coaching after working in a dental practice for many years, which I will tell you about later, mm-hmm. um, I, I needed, I wanted to come up with sort of the philosophies and the strategies and all those communication skills to be able to help dental practices and their front office um, And so I developed Dental Phone Excellence, which is basically uh, different, you know, strategies that they can use and they're really actionable. Um, They're very, you know, doable and achievable and get good results. Um, The reason I know that is because the results that I would expect them to get are exactly the ones that we got ourselves. So, um, yeah, that, that was it was just a really effective program to set up. But it was interesting because from dental phone excellence, developing the strategies, communication strategies needed for front office, I realised, it took me a while to realise this, I realised there was something missing. Okay. And the one thing that was really, that was missing from it was I, I was able to deliver these this really great program um, but, you know, team members weren't actually actioning it as best as I would like them to. The other problem that we had was what I was asking them, like how are you going with the calls coming into the practice? What are the results? We could track and measure, but what I wasn't getting was what were they actually saying on the phone calls? So that was like, you know, the, the missing part. So what I did was I then developed call tracking excellence, which basically is setting up tracking portal so that we can then listen to all the incoming calls at the practice. We can work out where the issues really are and also the team can listen to those calls and we can analyse them together and then work out where we need to go forward because there's no point um, me doing all of this work with the dental team uh, if their new patient conversions are good and they're having problems with cancellations. I need to focus in 
on what they need. And that was, yeah, how that all came about. But, you know, everything that I share with dental teams is exactly the same material, the same communication skills we used uh, in our practice as well. Yeah. Yeah, so you lead me to the next question, which is like maybe share a bit more about your background. Like, you know, you said you've been working in dental practice for many years. Um, Yeah, tell me more about that. Yeah, it's a, it was an interesting evolution, actually, because um, I started off uh, my life, I call it my previous life, as a primary school teacher. And, um, yeah, and then I met a dentist. So there's the dental connection there. Um, and, and I had my own family, so I left teaching, had my own family with the dentist. And then something happened and I got, I suppose I was persuaded My husband, the dentist, had good persuasion skills, which he was always um, using with his patients to help them make that next step. He said, why don't you come into the practice and talk to the patients? I said, well, how does that work? So I just go in there and I talk. He goes, yes, (laughs) just have some little conversations. He called me the uh, the practice schmoozer. So I just go in and schmooze. And I loved it. But it was really good fun. I really love building that rapport, making them feel comfortable, um, you know, offering that that ultimate customer service that we, which is really what our big point of difference was in our practice, uh, customer service. We started introducing things, I suppose we were avant-garde in our practice before many other practices even thought about it. And so we did that, but then there was that, interesting dreaded day I call it at the time but little did I know that this was going to lead me on my journey that I'm actually on now mm-hmm. I had to answer the phones because all of the team were off sick the girls that actually answered the phones were off sick so I had a little script next to me I was trying to follow the script so I managed to convert no calls to appointments okay. I took all the cancellations uh, not many patients made a next appointment because I was in charge on the front desk. So we soon worked out two things had to happen. Either I was going to never be on the front desk ever again or I was just going to have to start to learn the communication skills needed to be able to uh, be in that position. And so that's what I chose to do. And then I started to develop and tweak a few things and make them my own. And 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 it worked. And so, you know, then I shared those with new team members as they came through over the years and uh, one thing led to a, another and I ended up in the world of coaching. And so I get to, yeah, I get to tie in both teaching and my dental background. But it's always fascinating because I didn't come from a dental background other than being married to a dentist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these... But I think these skills can be learned. You know, they're they're learnable skills and then they can be actioned to get results. And that's what we want to learn, action results. Yeah, that's the key yeah. areas, yeah. yeah. And the great thing is that what you're teaching is not theory, but you've practised it, you've implemented it, you've done it yourself, and then you've taught your team to do the same thing and they also got the same level of results that you've received. So Absolutely. I think the importance of you know, uh, walking your talk, you know. Not Absolutely, just, yeah, yeah. What's the saying? Walking your, no, walking yeah, your Yeah, walk, not walk the talk. talk. That's it, yeah. But it's interesting that, that I suppose, you know, through all of the practices that I've worked with, the ones that have been successful have been the ones that have had that continued 
um, training, education, so that, it, you know, that we're developing new habits, often breaking old habits of what we've been saying to patients mm-hmm. and and changing. And then we had, you know, the two years of things that have been happening with COVID and all the, the shifts we've had to make with how we speak to our patients. And that's no different moving forward. It's always going to be like that. And there's been those practices that I probably haven't helped because they, could I say, they gave up too soon. Or they just felt like, you know, we're having changes in team members and they started getting a bit anxious about that, not realising that the onboarding is so crucial to get it right, right from the start. So, um, yeah, it's it's been an interesting journey. But obviously, you know, with shared clients, um, you you can see that the continuum. um, And the other thing I'd, I'd really love to say to you is that I can really see the difference when someone has an amazing marketing person and someone like myself that can come in and do the internal marketing and that combination is 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 the magic really yeah, yeah. Totally. And that's the reason why I was so keen to have this conversation because we have seen, you know, clients that we both share and the results mm-hmm. that they have to their business versus um, clients that we do marketing for. Um, but, you know, the there's in our opinion, there's a gap in the FOC area. Um, and then and then the conversion rate of converting inquiries into consult is such a big difference. Um, that to me is, you know, after us, you guys are really the next, you know, missing piece. Actually, I reckon we should come after you guys. It might be. Um, and, and I'm not joking. I actually feel that a dental practice should really get their front office right first. When yeah. that's optimized, then you turn on marketing. Otherwise, there's, you're actually wasting money because with the phone, yeah. they're not, they can't convert it. Inquiries coming in. They're not getting on top of it fast enough. Um, and then they're just wasting the money on marketing. So, you know, what, what you, um, what you do is so critical. But I want to, you know, go into, um, a bit deeper. Um, you know, often a practice owner will, um, would judge their success of the marketing based on how many new patients they, they get. But marketing is really about getting the phone to ring and getting people to be interested enough to fill in an inquiry form or a booking form on the website. Then there is, you know, the front office in the middle, which is in charge of getting that person's body to show up. Or onto the Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. you know, I, I love to hear, you know, your thoughts in your opinion, you know, how would a dental practice know that that could be the lowest hanging fruit? Like what are the common signs that they could, um, you know, look at to go, you know what, rather than spending more on marketing, maybe we should optimize the front office first before we go into the marketing aspects. And and that's quite interesting because I think, well, you know yourself that uh, most dental practices aren't really tracking and measuring their numbers properly. So for a start, they don't even really know where they are. But I think they always have that that weird gut feeling that they know something's not quite right. And, and you know, at the end of the day, when they look at the profitability, sometimes that speaks louder, but it's about, well, where is that falling down? Where am I? Where are those missed opportunities? Because there's so much opportunity that arrives on the doorstep and knocks on your door. And if you don't know, um, you 
you don't know. And and so, yeah, we need to analyse that and look at that. So, uh, yeah, it was interesting what you said about how uh, we need to make sure we upskill and prepare the team for when that phone rings hot because a lot of dentists worry. They go, oh, my phone's not ringing. Oh, I haven't got any, any calls coming in. So then they employ someone like yourself who does a magnificent job getting, you know, more attraction happening and the phone rings, but the team members are still floundering like they did with, you know, two phone calls a day <laughs> with like 20 or 30 phone calls. They've just, magnet, you know, magnified everything. And, and it's, yeah, they just have to really uh, get on top of that. But, yeah, measuring and tracking their results to find out where they're actually at. Um, and I suppose when it comes to the call conversion, I think a lot of team members uh, don't really even know how, how many phone calls are coming in. No one's measuring that number. So how do they know how many are actually converting? So they, so what happens usually when I'm talking to dentists and their teams, they go, oh, I'll just give you the new patient numbers. And they give me this, this printout of how many new patients they've got for the month. Is it more than last week? And I'm thinking, well, what about all the people that didn't make appointments? And they look at me as if to say, well, why is that a magic number? Because that's the number <laughs> we need to change. You know, you don't want it. We don't need to change the number of people who are making appointments because they're making appointments. Maybe we need to look at what the next steps are for those patients. Are they accepting treatment? Mm-hmm. Are they going, you know, do they have a next step? That's another, mm-hmm. you know, thing we can analyze. But I think if we go back, it's, it's, I call them like the negative numbers. Yeah. They're the ones we need to look at. Yeah. So they, it looks yeah. like how they could identify you know, where this could be a low-hanging fruit for them is actually what are the negative numbers? How many inquiries mm-hmm. came in that they couldn't get a hold of? You know. Absolutely. How, and you know, how many inquiries that came in that, you know, were tie kickers? It, 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 yeah. So, um, and actually look at the opportunities in that and see mm-hmm. if they can then adjust the, the negative numbers to turn more negatives into positives. Yeah, because I think immediately it's easy for team members to say, oh, they didn't want to make an appointment. Oh, they're just, you know, next. It's an inquiry. And it's interesting that you your reference is inquiry, which is exactly what I used to call those phone calls coming in. They were dental inquiries. Mm-hmm. But then I started having a different mindset. Mm-hmm. And as I started converting the calls to appointments, I realised that every single person that rang the dental practice um, didn't call to order a pizza. They rang because they had a dental problem and concern that we were there, should be there ready to help them with somehow. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason why most people that ring your dental practice hadn't chosen to call it because they chose to call you. Yeah. You know, and often it's a, there's a lot of reasoning behind their choices. Yes. And so they chose to call. So we really should be working harder to... to yeah, and it's it's some people it's easy, you know, I just want to make an appointment and sometimes the challenge is where can I find them an appointment because of, you know, mismanaged appointment schedules. But that's a whole different interview. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, but it's but it, it, it's really fascinating. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. But, um, no, I, I, to- I totally hear you. So let's get right into it. So in your experience, what are the top three ways that, you know, that you can, a dental practice can convert more inquiries into consults? 
Okay, you mentioned the online inquiries, which I think are more and more dental teams are, um, uh, if, they're, if they're marketing, people have set that up correctly for them and, uh, and making sure that, you know, they've set up, I suppose, the forms that need to be completed so that person can then uh, send through their inquiry, but more information about their dental problem and concern. I think the immediate action to that call is really important because, you know, they may have sent more than one out, so it could be the first person who gets back to them even. Mm. Uh, we need to uh, have a system to follow on those phone calls. So, you know, I've, I give my teams uh, eight steps to that new patient phone call. Oh, wow. um, now, the, the, it's interesting because you can't always get hold of those people. And we always know that it's a big dilemma in business, isn't it? It's uh, Absolutely. I love, yeah, I love it if somehow on the online inquiries it can be framed up so that there is an expectation that someone from our office will contact them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. at least, you know, they're thinking about the contact. They're, they're waiting, they're anticipating a return to the phone call. Even though they've booked or, and scheduled and confirmed the appointment online, mm-hmm. we're still going to make contact. Now, that contact for that online booking is crucial because that's the time when we we have an opportunity now to build rapport, um, personalise it, and you can't do that purely by an online booking. No. Um, you create more commitment then so the patient's less likely to uh, not turn up for the appointment or cancel. Yes. And you can also gather some more information, which for dental can be quite intricate, you know, that triage, working out exactly what that patient needs and what their priorities are. Can we do that purely? It'd have to be a very long online booking uh, <laughs> for lots of fields. From a digital marketing no. standpoint, no, we do no. not want to do that <laughs> because no. that every question that you add to the form reduces conversion rate by 50%. Yeah, that, isn't that, yeah, that's fascinating coming from you and you know that stat. Yeah, that's interesting. So we want to keep it short and sweet, but we also want to make that point of contact, make sure that with the, the appointment's been made correctly in case they had some questions. When I'm listening to those phone calls, it's quite amazing when they're callbacks from the uh, online booking and the patient or the patient's then calling back after we've left a message. When they call back, there's a lot of, questions they have there's lots of things that they're trying to find out that they weren't actually able to do with purely by booking online so it is a good opportunity we need to treat it like the online booking was actually a phone call mm-hmm. yeah. I believe that that's going to give you much better success in in that commitment from the patient yes um and it sounds like it's very um the way how you describe it's very systematic like you talk about like the the a-step that your team follows yeah. when they follow up uh, back, you know, to the inquiry. You said it's very methodical and then... Yeah, it's it's really like... It, I think the only difference is that, you know, if they're... Let's say they're calling back. So that's the other uh, missing part too is that the patient, um, the prospective patient, uh, fills in the online uh, booking. It's all confirmed. Appointment's been set up. We, we, we frame it up so that we'll make contact with them. We may not be able to get in contact with them, so we make sure we leave a message that makes that person then want to then ring us back. Mm-hmm. As much as that sounds like we're, we're chasing our tails a bit. Oh, totally. It's, it's the art of and the mastery of how to leave a message. Mm. Something as simple as how you leave that message to get the patient to want to call you back. 
And I think, um, Liza, a lot of the um, uh, messages that we leave for our patients, we haven't thought about what the purpose actually is of the message, that, and that is for them to return the call. So we need to um, uh, create not a level of mystery but um, a desire for them to want to call back. Yeah. And and really what, you know, with an online booking, really it's about, you know, there's some really important things that we need to go over with you before your appointment, but we don't tell them what they are. We never tell them it's a new patient medical history form. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of suspense. I've got a really great suspenseful message to leave when you're leaving a message to try and get a patient to come back for incomplete treatment. But anyway, <laughs> but but it, that, that's what you have to be thinking. You have to think, what can I say to this person? What message can I leave? So it drives that person to, oh, my gosh, I better find out about what's going on here. Yeah, and that's what we need to do. So um, yeah, you brought up yeah. such a great point. Even for such a s- small thing like that, and and I put you in inverted com- comma because you think leaving a voicemail is such a minor thing, but it makes a difference whether the prospective pro- uh, patient will call you back or not. And for me personally, when a business leaves a message on my voicemail, the one that annoys me the most is when they go. Hi, this is blah, blah, blah. Uh, can you call me back on blah, 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 blah. And they speak so fast. They're yeah. mumbling. I have no idea the name of the person who called, where they're calling from. They mm-hmm. say the phone number so quickly. Yeah. I literally have to listen to it five times. Yeah. <laughs> like, no joke. <laughs> yeah. To, like, get that number. And I'm like, was it like a two or a, a three that yeah. you know, he just said? <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, oh God, too hard, right? And then the yeah. the you know the the person who rang me probably would have said to the boss, "Oh, I left a message and never called me back." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you and you haven't even they haven't given you a reason why it's a good idea to ring them back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they haven't yeah. given you any suspense, have they? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. I know, I know. And look, you know, the, the, I think the best one I like with follow-up phone calls is, um, uh, you know, it's, it's Mary calling from Brown, uh, Brown Dental um, uh, just in, re- in regards to the fact that you haven't been in for six months. We haven't seen you for six months' time and we need to make an appointment. I'm thinking how unappealing is that? <laughs> <laughs> so now another one that I hear quite often, like, so, you know, moving on to phone calls, right? So yeah. uh, where I would say from our clients, for most of our clients before working with us, I would say 90 plus percent of the inquiries come via the phone. And then mm-hmm. now it's around 60, 70 percent, um, you yeah. know, so it's still a majority. And mm-hmm. Often a comment we hear from dental practice uh, dental practices is, oh, yeah, people just ring and they're just uh, price shopping. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're not um, actual inquiries or they have an interest. You know, they're just shopping around for prices. Um, for me, I see those as real opportunities. But taking mm. a step back, with the clients that we work with, they get a lot less of those when they work with us because of the content on the site. So the interest yeah. is a lot higher when people call. Um, but nevertheless, you know, it's something that we do here from dental practices where um, they go, they're price shopping. You know, how would you um, maximize from those type of calls? And it's interesting. It goes back to they didn't call for a pizza. 
You know, they, they call because they have a dental problem and concern and they want to know the price. And I always say to dental teams, is that strange? When you go out shopping or you use a service, don't you really deeply want to know how much it all costs no matter what? You know, it's something that we, you know, it, 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 we're saturated by. The whole world is, is, is all about numbers and dollars and how much things cost. You know, it's all around us. Why would it be any different for a dental practice? Why would people not want to know what the price is? So for me, I think that's just quite a normal question. Yes. But what we want to do is we want to, it's like, all questions. We can even put that in the basket of that initial question, whether it's price, whether it's do you take my health fund, um, do you have parking, are you close to the train station, um, how you know how long will it take to get a crown? You know, all these questions that they initially sometimes ask. Mm-hmm. What I always say to dental teams is everyone's first question is an important one to them, mm-hmm. as much as you might think to yourself. You know they're shopping around. Oh, they just want to. They just want to get it free and get you know uh, not have to pay any any difference with their health fund. You know we can easily judge them for that. Yeah. But if we took that out, that question, and thought to ourselves, and I always say to teams, just because they asked the question, no one ever said you had to answer it straight away. Why not answer it later? And, and so what we're going to do is we're going to park that question. But there is strategies on, well, how do you do that without coming across rude and sounding like you're not listening to them or you purposely? You know those people where you ask them a question and then they purposely seem like they're evading the question and it seems like, oh, that's a, that's a bit shifty. <laughs> but, but, it, but it is fascinating that that first question, I always say to teams, look, make a note of the question. You know, obviously on those phone calls, the first thing we want to find out from anyone who's asking price, you know, we might think of them as a price shopper. But as you said, I love price shoppers because it tells me they've got a dental problem and concern. All they want to know. Yeah, but they want to know the price. Yeah, but but it's like a lot of that initial question. Often they'll ask something. Mm -hmm. So what we want to then do is we want to regain control of that conversation and ask them questions so you know a really good segue is look find out their name so oh hi john how are you today pretend you know them i always say just pretend you know everyone it's a lovely it creates a nice a nice aura on that phone call hi john how are you and you have that little bit of conversation he hasn't forgotten he's asked you about the price he still knows he wants to know how much that crown cost or that filling i love that question how much does a filling cost because they think it just comes out of a box and we pop it in you know, and it fits it's, into the hole perfectly. Everyone has the same feeling. It's one price fits all. Um, <laughs> it's not like that. But, but we have to be careful then how we handle that. So we, we want to ask John, look, John, just so I can help you, do you mind if I ask you a few questions first? So we ask him permission to start asking questions rather than shooting these questions. And then we know, you know, we've written a little note that John wants to know how much it costs for that filling, so we're going to address that further into our call. So then we start to ask those questions. They might end up, you know, sometimes you can have these strange conversations where all of a sudden you start talking about, oh, yeah, I've just moved into the area and my children are going, you know, and you start to make some interesting connections. We get back onto the dental, of course, because we, you know, the average phone call, I think I worked out it's about 2.6 minutes for a new patient phone call, mm, which is, I, I say three. <laughs> I've got I've got some that we're reducing down from 12 minutes at the moment. So we're working on that. That's uh-huh. a challenge. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so then we start asking the questions which are going to lead us 
to building up more rapport, uh, for them to see us as being more ex- experts, uh, knowing what we're doing, uh, because not many other dental practices would have bothered asking John those questions. They'll just tell John, uh, well, you could be looking at anything from $220 on to $370. And then John goes, oh, that much? Okay, I'm just ringing around. Uh, thanks for that. Bye. And that's usually the scenario of the phone call. No missed opportunity, no opportunity to find out anything more, build up a level of urgency as well. Mm-hmm. We've got that mm-hmm. opportunity in those questions. So then what we can do as we get further into the conversation and John seems to be more interested in coming in, we can then address that question and look at, you know, what those ranges of price could be. Uh, but you know, we could also deflect and say, look, John, I know everyone wants to know how much the fee is going to be, but why don't we do this first? Let's just book you in for the initial consultation. Let's find out exactly what you need. Then you can have those discussions with the dentist. We won't start any treatment. So we take the fear away of it's going to cost me money and I didn't know how much. And then we can go from there. How does that sound? So we soften it. We take it away so that we reduce that fear of, because that's what they fear. It's going to cost more than they thought. They can't afford it. And and I love that you are setting the pace. And you, by asking questions, you're demonstrating interest and you're you're building trust. And and I think that's really important is that you're actually investing the time to actually get to know the the patient and what their needs are before just giving the price. And, but I think the, the space and the energy that you set when someone ring and ask for a prize is they have a need. Let's serve them, but let's connect yeah. this, like, you know, the human to human um, element. Because uh, you, you're absolutely right. That's, what's key, that's what will keep them coming back to you mm-hmm. as existing patients. That's what keeps them coming back. I'd love to say it's because of the amazing dentistry they get, and it is that as well but you're more likely to retain your patience if you have some level of relation, customer relationship with that person. And that's just, that's, a, that's just been proven over the years to be a very effective way of retaining patients. And it's so super old-fashioned. And I think, you know, we have to be careful in the world of automation, in the world of, you know, it's it, our techno world that we have all these things at our fingertips to make life easier, yeah. but we have to be careful not to throw away the things that we know to still be very effective. Totally. Yeah. We're all about humanising mm. technology. Mm. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, like I, I love my tech and my gadgets and, and all that, but it's not yeah. about um, just simplifying things and make things faster, but it's actually complementing the human mm. aspects. Um, Absolutely. And the, the day is, you know, is always, you know, people to people. You know, so. Yeah. I had that conversation with my son who is a software engineer and I said, you know, Thomas, everything is about uh, people and communication. That I think that's like the core for me. And he said, oh, no, I don't agree with you, Mum. I said, oh, okay. And we had a little discussion and that was that. Mm-hmm. So three years later, he said, Mum, you know how you said to me everything was about people and communication? I get it now. I get it now. <laughs> I know. Isn't it funny? And I thought, oh, my gosh. I'll record it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it, 
it's fascinating. I think if you can get if you can get you know the 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 people skills and the, all the, the communication side of things, you know that just the take. Yeah, I think that's as you said, humanizing. I think that's never going to go out of fashion. That's never going to be. It can't be thrown out. That no, just no. stays with it because we're humans. Yeah. And on these phone calls, this is, you know, the team members can get caught up in the process of the phone call as well, and that can sometimes have an effect on how they're trying to connect on those phone calls. There's so many things they're trying to remember. They're multitasking while they're sometimes on that phone call, which is not ideal, but sometimes that can happen. It could be a patient standing at the front desk waiting for Absolutely. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, they need to be taught all those skills, and they are all learned and they're all doable. Um, I made sure of that. I always say to my teams, I'm not going to teach you anything you can't do. Nice. But you've got to do your part. It won't just happen magically unless you put the effort in Mm -hmm. and start doing it over and over again. And then it'll all happen. That was part one of the interview with Jane on how to convert more inquiries into consultations. I hope you found this insightful. Now, Let's head over to part two of our interview where we talk about how to handle website inquiries and quickly turning them into consultations, what your practice conversion rate should be, and how many attempts you should make to get hold of a prospect before writing them off. So head over to the next episode and listen now. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Content Maximizer podcast. You can get a full transcript of this episode, plus access to a lot more free online marketing tips at www.contentmaximizer.com. See you at the next episode.